Here we are. The sun is shining. The sprouts are coming from the ground. The birds are chirping. Not here. Where I'm at, it's still snowing. So welcome to our spring equinox slash Ostara edition. Today we are going to be talking about this part of the wheel of the year. We'll do a quick recap of the wheel of the year in general. Talk about the origins-ish of Ostara because we all know that this is an ancient holiday that was recreated about 70, 80-ish years ago. And we'll talk about a couple of ways to practice it in your own craft. So sit tight, go, get your beverage, sit in your favorite chair, and it is time for Spiritual AF Sundays, our Ostara Spring Equinox Edition. You're listening to Spiritual AF Sundays, created and hosted by The Mystic Geek. If you're looking to explore intriguing questions about the meaning of life and our place in the universe, then you're in the right spot. We dive into topics often discussed as sound bites on social media and take a deeper look, whether it's woo topics like astrology and mysticism, or seemingly mundane matters like technology and politics, we cover it all. We explore our own thoughts and beliefs, talk to experts, and uncover hidden meanings. These fascinating areas of exploration can help us question ourselves and better understand our world. Ready to grow and explore in your spiritual journey? We're glad you can join us. It's time to start your week off by being spiritual AF. Hello and welcome back. This is Jessica, the Mystic Geek, and today we are going to be talking about Astara, also known as the Vernal Equinox in the Northern Hemisphere. So I am recording this in Minneapolis, Minnesota on March 16th, and I am looking outside at a mild snowstorm. So it really does not feel like spring is coming. If you had asked me how I felt about, oh, I'd say earlier today when I went to take out the garbage and it was warmer and I could see the snow melting, I'd say it felt like spring was on its way, but right now it does not feel that way. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that whole vibe issue when it comes to Ostara and spring outside of the British Isles area. We have a couple of ways we're going to be dancing around this. So let's talk about the bigger thing that Ostara is part of, which is known as the Wheel of the Year. If you listen to episode seven that's when I talked about the wheel of the year. I'll recap it here so you don't have to go dig it up. And I'll do a little bit of a twist of it so you don't feel like I'm regurgitating everything from last time. So the thing about the wheel of the year is it is not an ancient tradition like people say. It is something that was constructed in about the 1950s, 1960s. So it is not that old in the grand scheme of things. We can credit the Wheel of the Year to two individuals, one being Gerald Gardner and the other being Ross Nichols. Gerald Gardner is known as the father of modern Wicca, and he is also known as the founder of Gardenarian Witchcraft. And then Ross Nichols is known as the 
founder of the Bards, Ovids, and Druids. Now, the whole idea here is one of them was really into the idea of going out into the woods and celebrating the solstices and equinoxes. And then the other one was very into the idea of going out into the woods and celebrating the cross quarters, meaning those time periods that are right in between the solstices and equinoxes. Now, think about two things that can go well together, whether it's peanut butter and jelly or peanut butter and chocolate or peanut butter and something else that's tasty because I really like peanut butter. But anyways, boom, you got the wheel of the year, these combinations of those two methodologies. And who does not like more parties? I'm all for it. Let's talk about the name of this celebration, Ostara. It is believed that this name is derived from the name of an Anglo-Saxon goddess named Deoster, who represents the springtime, the newness, new life, all these different things. So where did she come from? One of the works that named her, that brought her up, was from the 8th century, surprisingly from a monk who was at the monastery of St. Peter, known as St. Beta or Bada. He followed this academic discipline known as computus, which is calculating calendar dates. He's one of the reasons why we have AD or, or Anno Domini, or the time after Jesus. He helped with calculating the timing of Easter. He came up with his theory of when the world began based on dates and things from the Bible. He wrote this book called The Reckoning of Time, where he goes through his, his various theories. He talked about this Anglo-Saxon celebration that goes on with the various lunar cycles. Here is the translation of some of it, which I pulled up from Wikipedia. Eostermanath has the name, which is now translated Paschal Month. So if you're familiar, Paschal usually refers to the Easter season. But anyways, back to the reading here. And which was once called after a goddess of theirs named Deoster, in whose honor feasts were celebrated in that month. Now they designate that Paschal season by her name, calling the joys of the new rite by the time-honored name of the old observance. So this is what he wrote with regards to the Anglo-Saxon naming of the various months, and in this case, bringing up that the fourth month, Eostermanath is tied to this goddess. And then there's this whole period of time where people were questioning whether this was genuine or whether this monk made up a pagan goddess's name. All these different things happened until these votive or prayer inscriptions were found in about 1958. It was believed that these inscriptions were dated around 150 to 250 AD. And then we hit the 1950s or around the same time frame as when Gerald Garner is putting together the whole Wheel of the Year. And boom, let's pick this name for the name of the spring equinox. And there we go. So that is history-ish. But does it matter whether or not it is true or authentic? Uh, if you listened to my second episode of this whole podcast series, you probably would have heard my big rant or soapboxing about tradition and authenticity and historical lineages and all that 
what I will now say is BS. History, as we know, is usually written and rewritten based on who is in power. So we really can't rely on it as being 100% truthful. Plus, people change, societies change, everything changes. It is more important to figure out what works for you in the here and now and to roll with it. So speaking of which, talking about springtime and fertility and all this stuff when things are cold outside and when they are snowy, why the heck is that even going on? So let's go and move on to talk a little bit about science and how that falls into the whole wheel of the year bit. For those who don't know, when it comes to astronomy, not astrology, but astronomy, the study of what goes on out in the space and whatnot, the earth is not perfectly up and down relative to the sun when it is revolving around the sun. It is actually at a tilt, an angle, an axial tilt of about 23.5 degrees. So what does that mean? What that means is there's times of the year when the North Pole is closer to the sun. And then as the earth continues to revolve, then there's going to be times of the year when the Southern Hemisphere is closer to the sun. And then there's going to be times of the year when it is neither. So that's, those two points are what we call the equinoxes, the point where the top or the bottom of the earth or the northern and southern hemisphere, however you want to put it, are closer. Those are going to be your solstices. So that's where all that is happening. Now, all this stuff when it comes to the wheel of the year, the seasonal changes, those milestones that are set up, they were calculated based on the climate of the British Isles. What happens is you have latitude versus longitude. So if we look at the earth, for instance, as an orange, and we cut the orange right in the middle of it, where we have like the little stem piece on the top and whatever the nub on the bottom, depending on the type of orange you have, that center piece or that center slice hits what we call the equator. Now, the further up towards the stem bit that you go, if you're doing horizontal slices, that's what we consider to be the latitude going towards either the North Pole or the South Pole. The equator is what we consider to be zero degrees latitude. The poles here are 90 degrees latitude. And then we have longitude, which is basically turning the orange into a bunch of wedges. But that's a different thing there anyways. When we're looking at the British Isles, that's about 54 degrees north latitude. And between that and the various other things going on climate-wise, that's why they're able to have it where they can see it's we're hitting growing season right in about March. Things were starting to get a little bit warmer, and then it starts to go from there. So that's why the seasons are the way they are set up within the wheel of the year. Now, for those of us who live in other areas of the world, we may not be at the same latitude as the British Isles, or we may not have other important climate aspects that allow for things to be warm during this time of the year, at least warm enough for the snow to be fully melted. Now, you can go and say, if it's not warm outside and the snow is not melting, then F it. How can I tap into the energy of this time frame? Well, 
This is where we step away from looking purely at the physical world and we look at the subtle energies behind this time of the year. There's a couple of aspects that I look at. If you're a history nerd, you probably know that originally the new year was not January 1st. It was around March 25th. It was actually back in the 1700s, I think 1752-ish, that the calendar changed from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar. And the time of the new year switched around at that point. The spring equinox usually falls at around the same time as when the sun enters the astrological sign of Aries, the first sign in the zodiac. Aries, if you're familiar with that astrology sign, the sign of the ram, the other aspect of it is it is the sign of taking action, that exuberance, the get up and go fire energy there. It is that time to get off your butt. You've been inside long enough. You've sat there, you've let things pile up. It's time to do some spring cleaning. So that's some of the energy that comes up with that time frame. Now, you don't necessarily need to do all of the springtime rituals and whatnot at this point. You can wait until it gets a little warmer or you can choose not to. There is no you must do it this way when it comes to your craft. So when it comes to traditions for this time frame, since it falls on the spring equinox, Usually we're looking at all the fun things we think about when it comes to spring. So first off, spring cleaning. If it is warm enough to open the windows and get some fresh air in, by all freaking means, do it. If you have stuff in your house that has been piling up over the winter, whether we're talking about the actual winter or your internal winter, as it were, now is the time to get rid of those things. If you're looking for communities to hang out with. Now is a good time for you to reach out, start to socialize as people are starting to come out a bit more. Springtime is also the time for growth, for growing things, for planting seeds if you're able to. Whether it's planting seeds outside, if the weather is good enough, starting your garden indoors like I do and I'm a little overboard on it, or planting internal seeds, putting together the things you want to work on for the coming few months or even the coming year. Treat it like it's its own new New Year's, as it were. You do you on it. That's the important aspect of it. It's about blessing those seeds, blessing those first steps to get things taken care of. When we're looking at the symbolism for this time frame, we got the bunnies, which are all about the fertility and their gestation being 28 days, which is the lunar cycle. So y'all have the connection between bunnies and the moon and this new time period. And then we also have chicken eggs, which look almost like the moon. I mean, if you put them on the non-pointy side, it kind of looks moonish. They do incubate for about 21 days, so not quite the full lunar cycle, but pretty darn close. If you look at a chick that is born at the spring equinox, it takes about six months for them to mature. By the autumnal equinox, they're going to be ready to start laying eggs on their own. So looking at birth that can lead to new birth six months from now. If you want to go dye eggs, if you want to use eggs for rituals, by all means, go ahead and do so. I know we had an egg crisis a while ago there. They were pretty expensive. If that had not resolved itself and people had asked me to do egg rituals, I'd be like, what, in this economy? 
But fortunately, things are starting to even out on that front. I think egg magic is an amazing thing to look into during this time frame because eggs being a sign of fertility, nice sympathetic magic point. When you think about it, when you're looking at your own growth or something that you want to do, if an egg cracks due to outside pressure, we consider that egg being broken. But if that egg breaks due to something going on from the inside, it's hatching. So in an essence, your dreams, your desires, you as a person, think of yourself as an egg. Don't let the outside world crack you. Instead, work on that growth and understand that that growth may eventually get to a point where it feels uncomfortable or it feels like you're outgrowing your space. That's you hatching. That's you becoming that new person. That's your dreams growing far bigger than what you thought was possible. The other aspect to take a look at during this time frame is going to be balance. Depending on where you're at in the world, the whole idea of the equinox, equinox, equal night, is that this is supposed to be the time of the year when daytime and nighttime is more or less equal. And that's going to depend on where you are at with the world latitude-wise. The further you are towards one pole or the other, it's not quite going to be 12 hours each way, but it'll be getting closer and closer on that one. You can find ways to put balance in your life, especially if you have different things that are taking up your time and energy. You can always go through and find ways to release and let go of those commitments or those issues that no longer match who you are or what you do. And then bring in more of the things that you do want in your life. One way you can go about doing that to help you is through ritual. So one of the things that I like doing, and I usually time this with a lunar cycle, starting with a full moon actually, is I use the full moon to give myself permission to release and let go of the thing that is no longer working. What you can do with that is start off with a candle that you roll in various herbs and oils that are associated with the thing that you want to release. When you roll the candle in the herbs after you put the oil on it, you roll it away from you because that symbolizes moving things away. The reason I go with the full moon is it's there, it's present. And then as the full moon wanes, that's symbolic of that thing being released and let go of. So that could be like, saying yes to too many darn things. It could be the whole wanting to play nice, all those things where you are doing too much of something and it is hurting you. Release and let go of it. Be grateful that it was there because for some reason it protected you. It exists because you needed it at that time and now it's okay for you to let go and move on. About two weeks after that, that's when I would take another candle and think about the things that I want to add into my life. I would find herbs that might be associated with it, dress the candle with oil, and then roll the candle in the herbs towards me. And the reason why you want to do towards is it represents bringing those things into your life. And you burn the candle for that as well. And the idea is you don't just burn the candles to like get rid of something or to bring something in and have it be done. 
you need to take concrete steps every day. It doesn't need to be big, but you still need to do steps every day. Like for instance, if it's learning how to say no to the things that no longer work for you and so that you can say yes to other things, figuring out where your boundaries are, figuring out how you feel when people ask you of something and you're afraid to say no, spending time journaling why you react when you have to say no on it or marking off when you've said no to things. Those sorts of things are what you want to look at. And then when you look at what you want to bring in, it's like look at what steps you can do over the next two to three weeks to start bringing it in. Maybe not 100%, but little incremental steps that you can do when you have the time and energy in order to manifest those things in your life. So those are some of the ways to let that inner egg within yourself start to incubate into something bigger. That is going to be it for today. I'm realizing that this is going on and on and on. I'm sure people are like, well, why don't you say more? I'm like, I'm packing for Paganicon. I'm not one of those people that like packs the day of. I do the night before. I've at least know not to procrastinate too much. If you're listening to this on Sunday, the 19th, I am going to still be doing energy healings for people. I got work to do. So with that, let's quickly jump into what is coming up over the next few episodes. A week from now on March 26th, we're going to have Roxanne Chaput with us to discuss the universal laws. In an earlier episode, we talked about the secret and law of attraction. So I'm bringing on Roxanne to share a little bit more about her insight when it comes to how the universal laws apply to you. The following week on April 2nd, we're bringing on Guy Morris. So he is a writer who talks about the end times in his literature. We're going to be talking a little bit about end time theory. I'm fascinated by this topic and I'm intrigued by some of the things that he's come up with. So I want to hear what he says and I'm interested in this discussion. That is it. I still have to pack, so I'm going to head out, and I hope that the rest of you have a spiritual AF week. Thank you for joining us for Spiritual AF Sundays. This show is hosted by The Mystic Geek. That's me. Got comments or questions from today's episode? You can either email me at jess at themysticgeek.com or send me a voice message at speakpipe.com slash themysticgeek. Don't worry, I'll put the link in the show notes. Help others start off their week with a spiritual AF Sunday by sharing this episode with them. Also, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts help spiritual seekers find our show. So do the thing.